happy Halloween and welcome under the Kotatsu. <laughs> uh, I am your host, Austin, joined as always by Danny. Hello. And Danielle. Hey. Uh, nerds. No. Ah, fuck, I forgot to call people nerds. <laughs> Leasing my cred. The, the scariest nerds. thing. Nerds and, and ghouls. Uh, this is our impromptu Halloween special. Just kind of lined up well that we're doing a uh, a one-off episode around the spooky spooky time. Uh, so we have decided to watch something appropriately spooky or appropriately vibey for Halloween, I think. Uh, but before we talk about that, uh, what is everybody drinking uh, on this fine October day? Uh, start with you, uh, Danny. I'm just having a group, yeah, grapefruit seltzer water. Nice, got a yeah, nice and refreshing grapefruit. One of the fruits they say like makes your cum taste better, or is that that another? No, thing? it's one of the ones that interferes with uh, antidepressants. Ah, that's the thing about grapefruit. Heart medications too. There's a lot of interactions with the grapefruit. God damn it, grapefruit! Why are you doing that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Danielle? I made a pumpkin spice latte. Ooh, very appropriately uh, seasonal, autumnal, as they say. Uh, I'm also trying to be seasonally appropriate. I'm drinking a Oktoberfest beer. It's called uh, the like the the name of the beer itself is called a Festi. My, my Festies. I saw that. I didn't. I didn't see what it was called. It just. I, I bought a variety pack, and there were Oktoberfests in it. And I was like, "That's a delightfully dumb name." <laughs> I'm here for that. Um, but I'm. I'm enjoying the the season's bounties, i.e., good beer. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, we are going to be talking about Angel's Egg this episode. Um, if you were listening to this and you haven't watched it for yourself, I would highly recommend just stopping this episode and going watching it. It is um, 70 minutes long, very low investment. Uh, I think even if you you know love it or hate it, it is it is very singular. I feel like you, you might not watch many other anime that are like this. Um, so I, I would highly recommend uh, watching it before we, we talk all over it. Um, but yeah. Uh, um, Anyway, uh, in a weird way, I feel like this was my pick, but it's not. We just decided on this. But I love um, Angel's Egg. I've seen it several times before, although it's been a while since the last time I watched it. Um, I think it was just one of those things that I heard about this as this like weird curio, like, oh, if you like anime, you got to check out this weird thing. And I was like, yeah, I'll check out this weird thing. And that was like, you know, probably uh, you know, eight years ago at this point. Uh, and I loved it. Um, but I don't know. What's y'all's um, experience? Uh, with Angel's Egg, had you seen it before? Had you heard about it before? I've heard about it a lot, um, but I haven't watched it. It's, it was usually brought up to me in the context of, uh, hey, you know, Amano, who does all the Final Fantasy art, he did character designs for this. <laughs> That's usually in what context I was exposed to it, but yeah, first time watching. All right, and uh, what about you, Danny? Um, I had never heard of it. Um, I think you had mentioned it a few times uh, in the context of, you know, whenever we would discuss uh, what to do for this episode, essentially. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I'm familiar with uh, Mamoroshi um, by name, for the most part. I don't know that I've ever seen any of his work. Um, obviously, I know of Ghost in the Shell. I know of Pat Labor, too. Um, but I've never... Like I've ever seen them, uh, so mm. yeah, no, interesting. Giving me, giving um, me some ideas for my next pick, mayhaps. <laughs> and uh, Yoshitaka Amano, um, 
I don't, I don't know that name specifically, but I, I have seen Speed Racer. Um, so, yeah, uh, excited to see those, like, you know, very prominent names. Um, and in the, like, when I like looked at, like, the Wikipedia kind of, not like the plot summary, but like the overall thing where it's like, oh, you know, uh, it's animated art rather than a story or whatever. Um, got me kind of intrigued to to get into it. Yeah, um, some uh, quick kind of background details since we're already throwing out some names. Um, so it is uh, a collaboration between Mamoru Oshii and Yoshitaka Amano. Um, it's a 1985 OVA. Uh, it's 70 minutes long. Um, which means it's a fairly early OVA. More to say about that in a second. Um, just in terms of you know when OVAs kind of come into prominence. Um, but uh, Mamoru Oshii serves as director, and then Yoshitaka Amano is like credited as like co-creator and character design for this. Um, if you know Yoshitaka Amano from anything, it is Final Fantasy designs. Um, he did character designs for the first six Final Fantasies, and has just done a ton of like promotional illustrations, box art illustrations. Uh, I think for most of the recent uh, Final Fantasies, his only involvement is like doing the title card <laughs> for Final Fantasies, which if you've seen any of those, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like they're very distinct. His style is very distinct, very like art nuevo. Um, but he's also done some other work in anime, um, uh, kind of got his start at Tatsunoko Productions working on things like Speed Racer, um, but was a specifically character designer for uh, Gotcha Man, Yatter Man, Zender Man, <laughs> um, all of the mans. Uh, um, <laughs> and interestingly enough, uh, probably where he, uh, like I, I didn't see any source on this, but there's a good chance he met Oshi working there because that's also where Mamoru Oshi gets his start. Um, he starts working in anime for Tatsunoko Productions, um, prominently doing storyboard stuff, but also directing episodes of things like Gacha Man 2 and Ipatsu Kanata-kun uh, and Zender Man. Um, I, I love that just like so many Tatsunoko Productions, you just can tell are Tatsunoko shows from their names. Um, but then his kind of big break happens in the 80s. Uh, in the early 80s, he moves over to working for studio uh, Piero, Piero, I hate French, um <laughs> studio clown um his like big thing is he was chief director for basically the first half of uh the original urusei yatsura uh, tv anime um and then went on to do things like directing what is con widely considered to be the first ova uh dalos um in 1983 um also, in researching for this, um, learned that not only is it widely considered to be the first, like, OVA in terms of anime, but it's also considered to just straight up be the first direct-to-video animation production, like, ever, um, even outside of anime, uh, which is rad. Um, as Danny said, he is uh, the director for the original Pat Labor OVAs uh, and the first two um, uh, Pat Labor movies, which I've talked about on the show before. Um and also director of Ghost in the Shell and Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence. Mayhaps you've heard of them. Um, uh, very accomplished uh, anime director, especially in like uh, feature-length films. He's done some live-action stuff, too. Sorry, which... Um, there was a Ghost in the Shell that you watched that you were not a fan of. Which one was that, and who was behind it? Was that a you, Wanabe thing? Oh, um, you... The, the most recent thing I watched about which... Um, I only watched like the first few episodes of uh, or rewatched the first few episodes of was um, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. That's the, um, oh God, who's the uh, uh, Eden of the East guy? Kamiyama. <laughs> yeah. Kamiyama. That's, okay, that's, that's him. Um, 
Yeah, but the only the only Ghost in the Shell Oshi worked on were the the, the two movies, like the original two movies, um, which I've never seen. Two, I hear it's good, but I've never seen it. Um, but anyway, so Oshi's also done live action stuff. Um, there's live action Pat Labor that he's directed in a movie called Avalon. People might have heard of. Uh, his most recent thing is the 2021 O and A series, um, Vlad Love, which I think we've also talked about briefly on the show. Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, in in, in said said grown worthy context, um, <laughs> and then he is um, apparently uh, heralding like his return to feature length anime film uh, work by directing an adaptation of the novel series Chimera by uh, Baku Yume Makura, who um, is like a prominent uh, Japanese sci-fi fantasy author. That was news to me doing research for this, which is um, interesting. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably all the background we need to get into it. Um, very OVA style in that it's just like a very specific idea uh, at 70 minutes long. It's, you know, it's basically a film. Um, uh, I was going to pull up, if you give me a second, uh, I was debating how to describe this thing, <laughs> because as Danny said, I think on the Wikipedia page specifically, it calls it out as like, um, you know, kind of more of like a visual tool tour de force than like a, a story. I would describe it as like maybe more like visual poetics than like a straight narrative. Um, I have a, <laughs> a thing I will compare it to in a moment, Danny, that uh, you might... Um, <laughs> get a kick out of um but i figured i would read what is listed as the summary on the torrent website i grabbed this from because i was like that is both apt to describe it and also kind of a funny way to describe it um so this is this is angel's egg uh in a desolate and dark world full of shadows lives one girl who seems to do nothing but collect water in jars and protect a large egg she carries everywhere a mysterious man enters her life and they discuss the world around them <laughs> That's what they wrote. I may add to that. Uh, also, at the end of the movie, he breaks the egg, uh, and it kind of just uh, destroys uh, everything, I guess, in a sense. But yeah, very hard to describe. There's not a lot of dialogue in this movie. Um, I've been talking for a while, so I'm I'm just kind of curious what um, y'all initially thought after or while watching this. Um, Danny, why don't, why don't you start? Sure. Yeah. Um, I really like it. I. Um... It's it's a mood piece. It's it's a tonal poem. Um, but there's still enough context to kind of put your own uh, theories to everything as to um, you know character motivations uh, to some extent. You know you don't you're never told like oh yeah you know the girl has been living here for twenty years and you know blah 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 blah. It's just like kind of people waxing poetic about existentialism and like the dread of of like i don't know how do you know what's real how do you how do you know what's not um you know everything kind of feels drenched in metaphor but not in a way that is overly obvious nor is it so vague that it comes across as incoherent or pretentious um you know i have uh not like strong feelings but i i, I feel very pointed in kind of the symbolism that i see from like what the boy represents what the what the girl represents um other stuff i kind of you know am open to just calling general mood building um like do i know what the boy's big like undulating tank is no uh i think that's just like really cool and i'm i'm ready to leave it at that um but the sort of uh, 
kind of symbolism around Noah's Ark and kind of destruction and rebirth um, is one that I think is really, really striking and really, really effective. Uh, similar vibes to End of Ava, but um, I think in a more hopeful way. Um, I, I think, Danielle, you've said that you view <laughs> End of Ava as a hopeful ending. Um, I don't know that I 100% am there with that, but I think this one's a lot more um, kind of feeding into death and rebirth of beliefs of um like how do you go on when you don't know what to believe in um just it's a lot of a lot of really good stuff going on in this uh but it doesn't feel it but at the same time it's not like oh life is pain i don't understand like you know why don't we just give up it's it's kind of like about going on regardless i don't know there's a lot a lot going on here that i really really like okay so i liked it too but i am uh it felt like really dour to me compared to your take on it okay so that's interesting i don't know i feel like a lot of it has to do with the um i don't know a lot of the mood stuff um just hit me that way and kind of like a more dour rather than hopeful thing especially might have to do with my own relationship to religion and how this movie is talking about it so i don't know i i only watched it earlier today so i'm still like trying to like get all my thoughts together about it i think yeah no it came out all came off a lot more dour to me i think i would i probably lean a bit more towards danielle's reading um i mostly just find the movie kind of sad and haunting you know um the way the world is depicted is, again i'm gonna say it again you, you should just watch this um if you haven't seen <laughs> it because it's it's kind of hard to describe what the movie is like to watch um but it's just kind of like really like the world is so sparse and everything is just like um i'm gonna steal a phrase from stephen king's the dark tower <laughs> but this is a world where like the world has moved on like whatever was before the events of this movie is no longer like you know this is like you could call it post-apocalypse or whatever but it's just like you know whatever civilization world living beings used to occupy the the space of this film is just no longer there i think a whole lot about the um there's a great sequence in the middle of the movie where what appear to be statues earlier in the movie of fishermen come to life and start like hunting shadows of giant like prehistoric like fish across the city um and it and like there's a a line that the the girl in the movie has of like you know like they do this even though you know the fish have been dead for forever or whatever and it's just kind of just this like you know um i guess i'll bring it up now the dark souls games are very clearly influenced by angel's egg uh daniel i assume you'll have more to share about dark souls 3 in particular because it seems like it's very on the nose there but just the way that those games depict worlds where, you know, like whatever came before the events of the games has like completely fallen apart and just is no longer there. But there's all these remnants of like what used to be. And that's like the fisherman to me in this is just like this echo of like a, a previous way of life. Um, but I think what's cool about the film, just to kind of maybe bridge the gap between y'all's two readings is like, I think what's cool about this and, you know, you could be maybe a bit more cynical or just have a different relationship to, to media than maybe I do. But like, I think what's cool about it is there is no one right way to read it because the film is so reliant on its use of like visual storytelling. Um, 
that none of the characters just come out and say like this is the theme of the movie um you know it's it's left open where i feel like you could read this movie a hundred different ways and i wouldn't say you were wrong to do so because there's there's a lot of ways to interpret what what happens in the movie Um, because the movie doesn't do that interpretive work for you, which I think is, like, kind of liberating. It's nice to watch this movie repeatedly and, like, feel differently about it each time. I I agree that most of the stuff is, it's, like, kind of the the world on the brink of of destruction, and then at the end, it is absolute destruction. Um, The thing that kind of twists it more towards the hopeful direction is the release of the eggs at the very end mm. and like the 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 statuification but not like she doesn't like turn to stone but like the the the, the girl becoming a statue almost reminiscent in like a way of like she's not gone it's just that like she she's going to continue on in the new life that she kind of births out in these eggs um it I don't want to spoil anything for anyone here or anyone who's listening. I got uh-huh. the ending of this struck me in sort of similar, and I don't think you're going to agree with this, Austin, sort of similar ways to the Outer Wilds. I mean, I could see how you get there. Like, yeah, um, definitely. So that's that's kind of the the headspace I was in. Um, and I, I I love the fucking tagline to end of Ava um, so much. The the fate of destruction is also the joy of rebirth. Um, I fucking love that. Uh, and that that kind of rattled around in my brain a lot. Um, you know, and I think there are um, things you can read into with uh, like the boy is very skeptical. He's very much like anytime the girl is making assertions about what's in the egg. He's very much like saying like no I don't th- like you know that like she says like oh, I can hear it breathing and he goes that's just you you're breathing you're, you're like that's not real mm-hmm. um and uh so there's like a lot of I, I I read into it a lot of like the the struggle of um uh, uh faithfulness and then like doubt and the you know the 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 woman dies uh and but like at the same time she doesn't like die die she you know she releases life and like is able like potential potentially able to like seed the world with new life while also like being immortalized whereas the guy like you know i don't know i i just don't read him at the end as being like falling into despair i, I read him as being like kind of in awe of what's to come i don't know it's, it's i don't know maybe it's just how i'm reading it but um yeah to me it reads more hopeful and um like yes everything's dead the 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 fishermen are fishing for things that are long gone but i don't know it it mm-hmm. it's the birth of something new yeah i love the uh the final shot of the film um which i think is maybe like illustrative of some of the tonal work that the film does because the last like it's long. I don't know if it's if it's necessarily like a whole five minutes, but it, it feels like that. Where we basically get this very extended like zoom out of the the boy character on like uh, kind of like the cliffside at the end, um, zooming out to kind of reveal that like the entirety of the film took place on like this kind of small like island. Um, and so by the by the the final shot, you just get like a big maximal shot of like tiny island in the middle of like a vast ocean um 
and I've seen people read that kind of shape of the island with kind of like its shadow on the water as like, um, uh, you know, be, trying to be reminiscent of like the biblical arc from uh, the Noah uh, story. Um, but it's just like, the, to me, that's like where kind of like the, the final note of like it being kind of dour and, uh, and sad kind of comes in. Like, I agree there's, you know, there's a bit of like a, you know, like the, the world will refuse to give up with like the, the girl dying and all the eggs spawning. Um, but just something about that long lingering zoom out at the end, like really kind of sticks with me. Um, but yeah, well, it, it, it's like Noah's Ark. Cause he, he talks about that earlier. It's like the dove yeah. that couldn't find, uh, they they released the dove and they, they kind of, the, the dove is t- 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 meant to search for land. Uh, and this apparently is in like the, I, I'm, I'm not a biblical, I, I've never read the Bible. But I, I knew that the whole Noah's Ark thing, I didn't know that there was like a dove that they release that finds land for them to give them hope or whatever. In this world, that does not happen. They they do not find land. Um, so it's this kind of like, uh, I read it almost as like a, you know, Noah's Ark didn't work out. And as a result, they lost faith and all turned to stone and died, uh, so to speak. And that's kind of what's happening at the end there. Like, um, you know, she like she's. The, the 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 arc is rising out of the thing and like that's what the man is left with with his uh uncertainty of of the world is he he is now noah in a land of stone uh so to speak i guess but um which uh it's important to note uh you know obviously uh, uh we were talking about this just before we started talking uh here um and you know biography is not um ascribed to everything anything but like Apparently, Mamoroshi, prior to production of this, was a Christian, and prior to production, he lost, you know, he dis- disconnected with his faith, uh, which has led some people to believe that this is kind of like a rumination on losing one's faith and how do you continue on not knowing what existence means. Um, Oshi himself apparently has said he doesn't know what the film's about, which, that's fair enough. I... I, I I take dubious uh, 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 skepticism, I guess, with that with that quote uh, on Wikipedia, mm. um, mm-hmm. or at least the part about him not knowing. Because I was reading part of a recent interview through um, uh, Toronto International Film Festival from several years back, where it seems like that's not the case. I think whatever got cherry picked to put on Wikipedia maybe kind of. Um, put that out of context a bit uh, okay i i had i you know i thought of when i uh read the thing it was um david lynch going like you know this is actually my most spiritual film and then it's yeah. like can you elaborate on that no funnily enough that's kind of how he talks about it in the, the interview i read where he talks about it being like like the interview he's he's he claims the movie is spiritual right which is like obviously it is like you didn't you wouldn't need to read that on Wikipedia to know, like, oh yeah, this movie is a movie about faith. Um, but um, he calls it spiritual in the interview, and the interviewer doesn't literally ask the the David Lynch thing of like elaborate on on that. But he doesn't elaborate on that in the interview. He just like he says it as a fact, and then like moves on. He doesn't like really give too much to like, oh, this is what it literally means, and this was my take on the film. But he does. Um, call it a, a spiritual work of his. Um, it's very interesting that like this was this was not received well at the time which like unfortunately makes sense um but has since like been you know held up well um but apparently it um and this was from the interview i was reading uh, so I, i'm happy to uh, quote this uh, or paraphrase this but he says that it it hurt him 
uh, getting uh, work opportunities afterwards, that it was like enough of a poor reception at the time that it, it kept him from getting work. Um, although, you know, it's only a few years after this that he does Pat Labor, and then a few years after that uh, in doing the Pat Labor movies does he do Ghost in the Shell. So, yeah, <laughs> not too bad, all things considered. But I could kind of believe that, that, you know, for at least a little while there, he was um, ha having a tough time finding work because of... Uh, the reception of this which is a shame i think it's like a beautiful film there's like nothing like it um i guess to talk a bit more about like what the movie's doing so there's there's little to no dialogue i mean there's maybe more than i remembered there being um but the parts of the movie where there are no dialogue are what really stick out to you the most i feel um the music is excellent the music's really fucking good and like it kind of needs to be for how, how little um uh dialogue there is but it does such a good job of like building a mood and building a tone and an atmosphere and of course all the d design work um from amino and from otherwise is is great um and so there's all these great like lingering shots um uh you know i talked about the real slow zoom out but there's also a really great scene that sticks in my mind of um it's later in the film uh the girl is kind of like led the boy up to like the top of this kind of tower that she's like taken up residence in kind of like her bedchamber um and the girl falls asleep with like the egg next to her on the bed and um the boy just kind of sits up next to the fire and we just sit there with that scene like the only movement is really like the fire and the music's going um and again it's like you know at least a couple minutes like it's it's not nothing and um uh it just kind of puts you in this like kind of you know uh thinking first about the tone and less about the story but of course it's like very reminiscent of like the ava scene um if you know what i'm if you've seen ava you know exactly what i'm talking about the scene at the end of uh 24 where shinji's holding kaoru in ava unit one where it's just like you you hold on that moment because you know what's going to come next and you you don't want to see it and in the context of angel's egg it's it this is the scene right before he smashes the egg uh, because as he says the, the only way to know what's inside of it is to break it uh which i think is just a beautifully cynical like not just turn a phrase but like kind of metaphor um in the movie yeah uh, and and you can cut like the the most emotion that i see out of the boy in the entire fucking uh movie is when uh he he, he tells the girl the story of like the dove and all that and she's like oh yeah it's it's here like i can go show it to you and like the like when he sees the the dove like the bird like gigantic fucking bird, uh, kind of encased in stone, that's when he has like this realization. Like that's like I like I feel like at that point he's like is completely lost in in his world now. He's like oh I like he he didn't know if that story was true kind of thing. It's just like a story he had heard. And then seeing, like, the proof of that and, like, what kind of ramifications that would have for someone, like, you know, uh, you know, imagine if if you heard a story from the Bible of, like, oh, yeah, and then God forsaken, like, forsake, forsaked, forsook, whatever, these people and, like, the I think the, you mean the um, dove. Forspoken, the new <laughs> Square Enix. Oh, yes, of course. That's <laughs> when God uh, bravely triangle or whatever the fuck. <laughs> um, triangle strategy. Yeah, um, or every every day. What's the one every day default or? Oh, uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, I know what you're so talking stupid. about, but I forget what it's called. <laughs> yeah, um, and like 
seeing proof of that of like oh that story was true meaning that like these people who had their faith like they were not rewarded and it's like what kind of like it like shakes him to the core of like oh i don't know like what's real then like i don't know what i can put my faith into and then it's like he's trying to inflict that same feeling on the girl by smashing the egg of like hey like now you're i'm gonna break this egg and you're gonna see whether or not there really is a bird inside of it and like live with the consequences of it and then you know she she does not take that well uh and, and runs after him and, and falls into the sea uh but then again is kind of rewarded i guess for her belief in that she then releases a bunch of eggs um in her last breath which i think is a, a, a fucking stellar uh like just visually alone like her like swimming to the surface like kissing herself or like kind of touching with her like an older version of herself releasing her last breath and those breath that breath bubbles like up like eggs i think it's amazing like visual storytelling and, and just visuals in general um and it's like what is he rewarded with uh he survives the the noah's ark flood but like is now just alone and doesn't know what to do next kind of thing um i don't know it it, it really vibes with me um and yeah that the fucking i think it's like two or maybe three minutes of sitting by the fire kind of just like in his own thoughts is great um you know it, it really kind of puts you in that headspace of of the character of just like because the fire goes out and that's when he's like fine i, I gotta i gotta do what i gotta do i guess um it, it's it's great yeah, it's um, I mean, to to me, this is just like anime porn because um, my the the favorite my favorite parts of other Oshi films like Ocean the Shell and the Pat Labor movies is all of those movies have single scenes where it is just like suddenly like the camera is like more occupied with the space around the characters than the cameras. The music is kind of like the focal point in terms of the audio and you just kind of like build a tone, you fill in the space visually and you just kind of live with that for a moment. Um, and like, they're such like specific scenes that like, this the scene from pat labor one movie one that i remember the most is this scene and that's a movie that has like some great action scenes but it's just the one where there's all these like shots of the city and you're just hearing kenji Kawai's awesome score and you know uh, all these birds flying around um and this movie is just like nothing but that <laughs> it's nothing but just like really great um like shots of this weird city that, that like this gothic city that it all takes place in um the great music which i'm not really familiar with the um composer all that much um uh but their work is great i'll pull up the name in a second because they deserve uh, yoshihiro kano yes um who done some other stuff but nothing i was super familiar with but man is the music good and um i think i i stand by my uh calling this like a kind of a visual poem in a lot of ways in terms of like how poetry works by like it's the juxtaposition of words that creates meaning you know and like the the strange juxtaposition of words that often creates meaning this it's like it's the juxtaposition of like images and sound and like doing that in a very specific way but this also reminded me of like ballet also in terms of the music the music specifically reminded me of um stravinsky like right of spring oh, that kind of stuff which, god yeah i can see that again also just fucking targeting me specifically because i love that shit <laughs> um 
Um, and so, yeah, it's just like, like I said, it's like, there's nothing else like this. Like, I, I think you could maybe find similar things in terms of themes or like a general tone, but the way it just all unfolds, um, incredibly like singular in terms of, um, uh, what's happening in, in anime in 1985 and onward. I, the major vibe I got, especially during the, um, fishing scenes where they're like throwing the, the harpoons at the fish shadows, um, was uh, the Night on Bald Mountain segment mm. of Fantasia. Um, that kind of, like, chaotic everything, um, which, you know, in, in Fantasia is then followed by, like, a church bell ringing and Chernabog, like, being put back into the volcano and, like, the, the townspeople come out and, like, sing Ave Maria to, like, you know, celebrate or, or to, you know, praise the, the fact that they're safe and everything and and all that. It's like this this movie stops just short of that. It's like Chernabog gets put back into the into his into his mountain uh, and it's like instead of being like now everyone's safe, it's like the last survivor of the whole thing is like, well now what? Like, oh fuck. Um but yeah, no, I had very big like associations in that, in that regard of the kind of booming you know, mostly informed by the music. Uh yeah. the kind of like because the music is very like choiry, very like you know, chamber singing sort of stuff, and then yeah, like mixed in with kind of like harsh noises that you might hear in something like the Rite of Spring uh, and stuff like that. So yeah, amazing work. Uh, it's like poetry; it rhymes. Uh, everything worked <laughs> together. <laughs> um, yeah, it it rules. I love it. Someone, I'm desperate for someone like Discotech to do a Blu-ray slash 4K release of this. Um, it's gotten a Japanese Blu-ray release, which is you know, the video source of, of what we watched, which looks pretty good. There's a lot of like um, scratches on the, the film, though, and the, whatever they sourced it from. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's just fucking phenomenal. Um, I got a couple more uh, like notes about like kind of the production and stuff uh, that we hadn't brought up yet. One thing that's very interesting is Oshi was in the process of developing a loop on the third film that never came to be, uh, or his version never came to be. It eventually became Legend of the Gold of Babylon, which is the third loop on theatrical film. Um, but supposedly, well, o Oshi has confirmed this, but Wikipedia is a little bit more charitable than what actually happened. Um, some of the concepts that Oshi had for said loop on the third movie end up being repurposed in this which is a very strange thing to compare it to. But uh, the interview I was reading, Oshi kind of points out that it was literally just a few like superficial things. Like the Lupin film he was going to make, uh, the kind of MacGuffin in that movie was going to be like the fossil of an angel, and that becomes the angel's egg, um, and kind of like the one of the central characters in his kind of treatment for the Lupin film would have been like a little girl that Lupin would have been kind of like following around the whole movie and that becomes the girl in this film but other than that like there's no there's no real similarities <laughs> the interview i was reading was like that whoever was interviewing him was aware of this connection and oh was very clearly like people really need to stop like playing this up too much it's like i wasn't <laughs> gonna make this weird gothic art nuevo lupon film like it, it was just gonna be a lupon film um that would have been cool if that happened but yeah would it also just been cool, regardless of what it was about, to see a Oshi Lupin film? Although Legend of Gold of Babylon is pretty all right. Um, other fun thing, which I was uh, happy to see you 
learned this, <laughs> Danny, is that there's a Roger Corman film from 1987, Roger Corman produced film, uh, called In the Aftermath. It is a, I believe it was filmed in Australia, um, directed by, I have the name here, uh, Carl Colperth, uh, who's a Belgian director, that basically Roger Corman's production company bought the rights to Angel's Egg for very cheap, um, but didn't want to just release it as is. So they filmed a bunch of live action segments and then intercut them between uh, footage from Angel's Egg with English dub over top of it. Um, and uh, the resulting film is called In the Aftermath, which you can get on Blu-ray legally in the States for some reason. That's like the old, like the closest you can get to owning Angel's Egg uh, in an official English release is that movie. Um, I've never seen it. Apparently, it's not very good, and I like Angel's Egg too much to do that to myself, but that is just such a weird thing that, like, in 1987, Roger Corman's like, yeah, fuck it. I'll buy this Japanese thing and turn it into a movie. Why not? <laughs> it, um, it is on YouTube. Um, is Roger Corman still alive, by the way? I think so. I think he's still kicking. Good for him. Stay winning, King. Um, uh, oh, uh, y- yeah, no, I skimmed through. It looks like shit, but... Um, <laughs> The uh, uh, I wanted to make a quick note. I, I'm uh, to anyone listening. I, I just woke up. I, my brain's not in, quite in high gear. If, that, if that's why it sounds like uh, I keep losing track of my thoughts. For one, I'm still not a hundred percent sure how. Like my thoughts on the film. My my felt like my thoughts about like the quality is that it's positive. But like I still haven't like. I probably have to watch it again, or like just like sit down and like really get into it to like think through all of my feelings um but a quick note uh you know we mentioned earlier about the fishermen and how they're kind of like chasing stuff in a world that's kind of moved on beyond them um i had a slightly different feeling about that i I actually kind of felt a little more positive about that instead of it being like oh these people are like don't realize the world's moved on past them i almost felt like it was like they're they're fighting like futile like they're it's all in it's all futile but like they're still fighting anyway um you know i don't know that they know that it's futile i don't know that they know that they're throwing it at like you know throwing harpoons at literal shadows but uh to me i read that as almost like a like hey we know that we're fucked but we're gonna keep fighting no matter what like we're not gonna catch any fish but that's okay. We're going to keep going. Um, which that also kind of inspired my thoughts about the Outer Wilds, like the kind of like, you know, going when no matter what. Um, there are also big fish in the Outer Wilds too. So, you know, there, there's that connection. Yeah. <laughs> Respect. Um, but, but yeah, so there, there are different ways I think that, um, yeah, it, it, you could just read so many different ways into, into every aspect of this, I think. Yep. I think a big reason why I'm like come off of like a lot of those things more dour, like seeing the uh, the quote unquote fishing scenes <laughs> in like a way more like feudal um, light is just because there's you don't really like um, so in a lot of like media where like the situation is like very hopeless and whatever for me to come off of it feeling hopeful like i need scenes of like humanity to be interspersed between all of the everything's fucked and we're all fucked Mm -hmm. but since this doesn't have that i think that's why i come off like so much more dour on it yeah that's totally fair um 
you know, we don't have any sort of insight onto those fishermen's, like, self. And I think, honestly, probably me reading it as, like, a more hopeful thing is just me wanting it to be, like, a good thing. Like, I'm like, <laughs> man, you got you got it, guys. Come on, kind of thing. Um, you know, I think it's, it's absolutely probably intended to be on the, the darker side. Um, you know, when the girl says, like, they keep fishing for things that are, are long gone, it's not, like, she's not saying it as, like, a... And you know what? Good for them for sticking it out. It's just like me personally. I'm like, you know what? Like that's the indomitable human spirit when the 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 cold logic of the universe walks into the room. The indomitable human spirit's gonna kick its ass, kind of thing. But I, I don't think it's intended at all by the film. It's just yeah. me hoping for it. Well, I think that's what's cool is yeah. like the film allows for you to bring your own kind of state of mind to things. You know, like obviously it's got a like a tone like you, you couldn't possibly walk away from this movie and be like wow what a happy-go-lucky kind of movie right but like the way you <laughs> interpret the the nature of the world that it depicts is kind of like to a large degree like up to what you're willing to to bring to it to me i just kind of see that scene as like very sad like it's very melancholic to me this idea that like they can't move past whatever life they used to have and the like you know for you danny like you see like the amount of effort that they put into this like pointless ritual as like kind of like uh something to you know take heart in and i see that and it's to me it's just like man they're trying so hard even though like it's pointless like why why even bother (laughs) is kind of the way i see it um and so it just it brings kind of melancholic to me and we didn't really mention it but like the and and again Watch, watch the movie if you haven't seen it but um the the whole most of the movie takes place during like a rainstorm and like by the end of the the movie like the city is like flooded um and i just it was I, a fun coincidence that it was raining here for me and i live uh, in an area where that is very rare <laughs> <laughs> that's a fun coincidence um but it just makes and to me like those parts of the film where it is like raining just like have the sadness that like seeps through it all just like it all just it's just it's just sad um and not yeah, like a... i figured out tonally mm-hmm. what this reminds me of the most oh, okay. and it's mccarthy's the road except i hate the road and love this okay. <laughs> mccarthy's the road if all the characters just kind of shut up <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's genuinely my favorite part of this is that there is just no dialogue and what dialogue there is it's not like you know i love that um this is a movie where characters ask each other a lot of questions that the other character doesn't answer. The The question, who are you, is asked like 10 times in this movie, and neither of them gives an answer to that. Um, and then the guy repeatedly asks the girl, like, what's in the egg? And it's only by the end of the film that she, you know, says, like, I think it's, you know, the bird that's going to be in this egg. And I think when she says it, it's not even like after he asks her, she just offers that up because of like where they're at in their conversation about, you know, like Noah's Ark or um, whatever else. Um, But again, it's not like a movie where, um, regrettably, thinking about uh, what (laughs) I guess me and Danny both ended up spending our night last night watching uh, Halloween Ends, which is a movie that just has characters explicitly stating the themes out loud um you know it'd be like it's like watching a movie where it's like is it nature or nurture like they might as well just be saying that um whereas like this is a movie where like you know there's thematic context being discussed in terms of like the noah's ark stuff which i think is very interesting and how that's all written but it's not like 
you know, the girl is not literally saying the words out loud. Like, I think the egg represents hope. And the boy thinking, saying out loud, like, there's no hope left in the world. I have to destroy this egg. Like, it's not that kind of movie. Uh, And I kind of love it for that. Yeah. And honestly, just now thinking about it. So this is not going to be a... a, a good logic train because I'm the the tracks are being built as the train's going. But um, choo choo, I think you could almost read like rather than <clears throat> you know the guy being skeptical and the girl being like full of faith. Uh, you could almost read it like the guy you know is is like a person is like someone who's grappling with their faith, and the girl is like you know Christ or or God or whatever you want to some sort of higher power. You know, where she's asking him almost rhetorically, like not caring about his answer, who are you? And, uh, you know, he doesn't answer whether he doesn't know, whether he does, I don't know. Um, And he keeps talking about like these existential questions of like, are we real? Or what if we're just a memory of someone else and it happens to be raining there? Um, uh, uh, What's in the egg? Like, and she's like, well, you just have to have faith. And he's like, no, you have to like you have to like, you have to break the egg and you know and she's trying to like you know kind of bring him to the point of just like being like no you just have to accept that there you know there are some things you don't know and which he rejects you know and then he breaks the egg causing her to you know cry out in 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 pain and uh and dying uh thus bringing about new life aka you know in the biblical sense kind of what Christ did you know where you know judas is like oh you know how do i know like you know what if you're not the son of god like i don't know like you know i have these doubts and christ is like well you know you just have to have faith and like that's not enough for him and as a result you know judas betrays christ by breaking the egg by you know ratting him out to the romans and uh christ dies but in doing so gives new life to earth by you know tackling man's or you know absolving man's sins you know so on and so forth so and though this you know judas doesn't kill himself he just has to kind of live with his actions so there's a little bit of bleed through i don't know but that's another interpretation that it's like wow that could be a thing i don't know (laughs) but you know again i'd have to like really sit down and like map out my thoughts to to bring me around there but um you know it's that sort of like maybe not specifically in the story like in that story but like that kind of feeling of like how do i you know how do i go on if i don't know for a fact what the what the truth is sort of thing um and this higher power being like well you just gotta go on anyway and and figure it out um another uh so we we talked about uh dark souls being a clear reference danny do you want to um explain or is it I don't know yeah. if you played this game. So is it too big of a spoiler to talk about that, or because I think it's interesting? It's so. I mean, it's it's a. It's, I mean, technically, it's a spoiler, but like, I don't know. Like, it's it, just play Dark Souls. I mean, spoilers specific. Like, I feel like Dark Souls is one of those things that people don't care too much about spoilers. It's true. Plenty of people, myself included, would rather watch like a lore video than play the games to find out the lore themselves. Uh, yeah, well, I, I'll let you know. If watching a lore video is a much easier way to figure out the lore. <laughs> I have my my personal beefs with how uh, FromSoft games deliver lore. Yeah, 
Um, I think they uh, they realized how nice it is that people will just fill in the backstory themselves. And, and I don't know. I don't want to call it lazy, but I, I feel like they are okay with kind of putting more breadcrumbs than... Anyway. Call me lazy or whatever, but I wouldn't... Uh, I'd like a compendium in one of the games or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, give a shit. Other things to do with my life. <laughs> So this spoilers if, if you if you happen to care spoilers specifically for Dark Souls three uh, the Ring City DLC uh, it's not for the main game it's specifically the DLC um, so in the Ring City DLC you talk to this guy named Slave Knight Gale um, and he's I, I don't remember the exact conversation but I think it's something like hey we need your help kind of thing can you can you help me out and you say yes and he teleports you to the Ring City um, which just like it feels like this normal city and and you know it's you know you just fight through it and you get to the end and there's a woman in white sitting almost like sleeping uh in a in a throne bed sort of thing and um uh in her lap she's kind of caressing this half broken egg a very large egg um with like kind of like this like a bird skeleton or like the wing of a of a dead bird kind of falling out of it, which is like literally, minus it being broken, I don't think, is like the last shot of this movie, <laughs> um, or near to the last shot of this movie, where she's become a statue. It's like very much sitting in the same pose, and the player character comes up and like touches the egg, and the egg falls apart, and the woman wakes up, and in doing so this big bright light happens and you are essentially transported to the end of time. Um, it's kind of like everything, like it, the implication I believe is that that was already happening. Like that existence already was there. She was basically holding back time from happening. Um, so everything was kind of in a stasis in that world. Um, and once you do it, you exit outside, and every, there's just a sea of ash. Everything is gone, and all that's left is Slave Knight Gale, who has killed literally everyone else. Like, <laughs> that is like, he is he has just killed everyone um, over time. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's basically the same sort of idea here. Uh, I, not less like the killing everyone sort of thing. But like the 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 breaking of the egg leading to this this horrible ruin in the world, and all that's left at the end of it is you and someone else, uh, much like the end of the the this movie where you know he's kind of standing on a beach. There's no water in in the Dark Souls th uh, three area, um, but it, it gives very similar vibes. I don't remember if there's a cutscene after you kill Slave Nightgale. Uh, but there very well could have been, like, a zoom out of the player character just standing alone in this desolate landscape, uh, and it would have given very similar vibes to the ending of this movie. So yeah, yeah. I, uh, and I was, I was like, huh, that's like, like, that must be a reference, right? And I, I searched on YouTube, like, Vadi Vidya, Angel's Eggs, and, 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 yeah, sure enough, it is right there. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting, too, because, like, you could very easily look at the first two Dark Souls games, or I guess, like, Dark Souls 3 prior to the DLC, and still be like, oh, yeah, they're they're clearly, like, influenced by this thing. I couldn't find any interviews where anybody, I thought I had seen this, maybe I just assumed too much, um, 
uh, maybe it's out there and I just couldn't find it of the Dark Souls developers like literally name dropping Angel's Egg in an interview or something like that. But it's so clear to me like from um, how those games are kind of designed and written that like Angel's Egg is an obvious influence. Um, and then for them to just it will... like, be even more obvious about it by the, the end of Dark Souls 3. Uh, so quick thing about like the Soul series, like one, two, and three. I, I think it's it's not impossible, and I don't think it'd be really even hard. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a Vadi video Vadi video video. Oh my god, a <laughs> video made by Vadi Vidya, yeah, um, about it. Uh, I, I I've literally seen it where he tries to basically place all of the games into one timeline, um, which you know he makes. Uh, very clear that he's ignoring stuff that doesn't fit into it and i think there's stuff like that's like yeah you just kind of have to ignore it but one of the big things about the the soul series is like the feeling of psych like of like the impact of cycles and like you know so dark souls one you can kind of either link the fir the first flame or you can let it go out and like those are the two cycles you can either continue the cycle or break it i in dark souls 2 there are more options it's like continue the flame don't or then there's like a third option i don't remember it's in the scholar of the first sin dlc but the third one the big kind of like overarching feeling is like what if that cycle of like linking the fire or not just keeps going like forever what happens if you like after a million times of linking the first flame what happens uh to the world kind of stretched to the limit and in dark souls 3 if you finish the game and then you link the fire in the first game you link the fire and like the entire room bursts into flames like it's, it's a huge kiln fire in dark souls 3 if you link the fire it's like embers it, it's sputtering kind of thing like the world is done um and that's a very much the vibe is similar vibes to this versus that where it's just like this world is done any sort of like effort to continue it is futile um and that's you know the kind of thing you get with the fishermen in this where they're trying to kind of keep keep the fight going even though it's futile uh and in you know in dark souls 3 it's like hey you could try your best but like you're just kind of throwing wood chips onto some embers like it's not gonna go anywhere kind of thing this the world needs to be reborn kind of thing so very similar vibes in that regard uh, Danielle, you had another um, potential uh, influence that this might have had. Um, I like the first thing my brain went to when I was seeing some of the more like mechanical designs, like the uh, the boys cross in those tanks, was to Akira. And I know this is like contemporary with the manga, but like I'm not sure if they were like anything going on between those two, or if Angel's Egg inspired a bit of the movie. I haven't read the Akira manga myself, so like I'm not sure how different the movie is to the manga and everything but i don't know that's where I, my head went i feel like um well so the, the akira manga predates the movie um at least it it starts before the movie it ends after angel's egg but um uh predates angel's egg i would imagine like oh some of those design works like feels like that's just like in the ether in a way um yeah like mm -hmm. in the general culture there uh, although akira is definitely like a uh, part of that um i just to talk about that i guess because i had that in my notes to bring up i love the um design of like his weapon um 
it's like half cross slash staff, half sword, because um, it does have kind of like a handle and like a, a hilt kind of to it. But the hilt also has like the kind of like levers that are on like motorcycle handlebars, you know? <laughs> um, and he never really uses it other than to literally like crush it, like like just to put its weight on the egg to crush the egg. Um and I love that, that you don't ever see him, like, clearly use it for whatever intended purpose it has. Like, it clearly fires or something. Um, but it's extremely cool. It's, like, mostly, like, um, kind of orange-brown and then has, like, a big red kind of centerpiece to it. It's it's cool shit. Um, I could very easily imagine Austin Walker on an episode of uh, Friends at the Table describing some character wielding <laughs> a weapon like this. Um and then also the tanks are cool as shit. Um, just unbelievably cool because they're like bio tanks. Like they're like living machinery. Like they pulsate and they gurgle and they, they make all these weird noise. Uh, like when when he's riding on the back of the tank and it stops, it's just like idling. But it's idle sound is like, what if it kind of like squelched and, and burped and gargled? <laughs> um, and you see, like, the inner parts kind of wriggling around, like, unnaturally um, inside of it. Um, extremely cool stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I love that the the big fucking cross thing. Like, he could have just stomped the egg, uh, like, the symbol of this girl's faith, and instead he uses a big cross to, do, to, to destroy it. And it's like, okay, yeah, okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> love that. Like, I love, like, the symbolism there. Yeah, and I love that when, um, you know, it's it's cool how it's all storyboarded where, like, you see him, you know, putting all the weight on the, the cross to, like, bring it down and crush the egg and you hear, but you don't see it. And it's not till later when the girl wakes up that you actually kind of see more of the aftermath of, of what he's done, although you still don't get, like, a full shot of everything. So you, you, you don't really see what's inside the egg, funnily enough. Um, but you do see that, like, it... it like shatters the floor too like that thing is heavy <laughs> like he, he really put all his weight behind it um because there's like a big like crack and dent in the in the floor where he struck the egg um uh another uh influence this one confirmed i found literal quote um from it um there's a good uh moss bag on youtube who is like the vadi video uh video uh youtuber but for hollow knight um <laughs> has a video about um uh kind of cataloging things that influenced hollow knight and one of them is uh angel's egg which ari gibson one of the lead developers from team cherry uh, that worked on hollow knight and silk song um has quoted saying it was a huge influence on the game and that to me is very clear there's some very um obvious like egg um imagery in parts of hollow knight that i won't uh go too deep in on because of spoilers and also because it's not super important but hollow knight is it's interesting because, like, people talk about Hollow Knight as being, like, oh, it's like Dark Souls, but it's a Metroidvania, um, and Ari Gibson, and um, I forget the other guy's name, but basically there's, there's two main developers for Team Cherry, and both of them are pretty adamant that, like, yeah, we came to some of the same conclusions that, like, Dark Souls comes to in terms of, like, how to build your world and how to design your world and stuff like that, but we had all these other, like, influences that, like, led to that. It wasn't Dark Souls that brought us there, but it kind of makes sense that like Angel's Egg would be like a shared DNA between those two games and, and how they get there. Um, because Hollow Knight, if you've not played it, is also like about a world uh, where kind of society has moved on. Like the, it's kind of post-collapse uh, kind of uh, structure. Um, 
which I adore that game, would highly recommend. Uh, but uh, got to shout that out, I guess. Um, I feel like I hit everything in my notes other than my very first note, uh, which is which was uh, which came first, the chicken or the angel's egg? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's these are the real questions that this uh, this movie has you asking. Um, I don't know, y'all got anything else? Any standout scenes or moments or or things? Um, there was like one shot where there was like a cityscape with like multiple layers doing the parallax scrolling thing, and I thought that was really fucking cool looking. <laughs> I uh, got a kick at the very beginning, not like the very, very beginning, but like towards the beginning, there's a shot of like the city from afar and it looks like the fucking Grinch, uh, like looking over Whoville because it's like a big mountain and then like the city in the background. It's like, oh my God, it's, it's fucked up uh, Grinch, spooky Grinch shot. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, no big overarching thoughts, just immaculate vibes, but like enough character to uh not let it just it, it lets you go in a lot of different ways without being like too loose um which uh played a game recently called score and i'll get more into it later because i i, I want to talk about it uh that i think goes too far where it's just it's just like so loose that it becomes incoherent um or or not for me whatever i'll get into it later but uh there's there's just enough here to kind of get your teeth into uh and and you know what uh i don't i don't know i don't think we've mentioned it so far but i think you should watch this movie it's a uh, it's it's 71 <laughs> minutes um yeah god it it's 71 minutes it's one of those things that gets referenced to a lot in other animes just go fucking watch it if you're in the anime yeah <laughs> it's not like it's a night in the galactic railroad which i do think is a you more need to like set aside some time to watch it versus this where you can just power through this one pretty quickly yeah um and i think when we were i remember if i was looking at this or i was looking at a different thing um but it kind of opened or it gave me a word when i was looking into the either this or whatever else um but, but it, it would fit for this as well uh apparently there's like a like genre name for something like this uh like it's aptly the dying earth genre um you know oh, sure. when i when i think of like like for me i would be like oh it's like post-apocalyptic or like apocalyptic or whatever but like it's a different kind of thing i think to say yeah. it's like a dying earth where it's not like it, it's it's more melancholic it's you know it's just kind of like this inevitable thing it's not about like fighting it it's not about it's just like kind of like the ramifications of like what happens at the end of it all kind of thing which i i I'm finding out that I really like that genre, whether it's something like, I'm not going to say it, never mind, that would be a spoiler, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but, uh, or, you know, this, or, or, or like, you know, Dark Souls. as many problems, yes, as many problems I have with the Dark Souls lore, or the delivery, I do think, like, there's a way that that could have been done that I would have liked um, with Dark Souls 3 or, or, or whatever else, um, but uh yeah no it, it's it's something that i'm like oh maybe i'll you know like wikipedia has a good article or page on dying earth parentheses genre where they list a bunch of examples and it's like hey maybe i will you know look into this there was one that sounded really interesting oh god um is it is it literally called the dying earth <laughs> there's one it was, it was like something at the end of time or something like that um 
where it's like, oh, this sounds like really interesting because it's like in that case, it's like from the perspective of like this immortal race, and it's like them kind of like watching the Earth go away. Um, uh, but but yeah, no. Oh, City at the End of Time is the the, ah, okay. the name of it by by Greg Bear. Um, but yeah, so yeah, uh, that, that's the end of that thought. I don't know where else I would go with that. <laughs> yeah, no, I would uh, highly recommend it, obviously. Uh, and also, um, if you if you somehow haven't seen a lot of Mamoru uh, Oshi stuff, um, this would be a good one to start, and then you can just kind of keep going from there. Um, <laughs> I think, I don't, you know, we don't like to say these things too far ahead of time, but Danny, I think you, you telling me that you have not... I knew you hadn't seen Pat Labor, but you telling me you've not seen uh, the original Ghost in the Shell has... Um, more or less cemented that I will probably pick one of those two things for my next one. Because <laughs> uh, we could definitely stand to watch more more Oshi. Um, well, cool. Uh, I do have... Uh, uh, last thing, I guess, before we talk about other things. Um, I have uh, voice actor notes, since there are only two voice actors in this. <laughs> um, the And they are... I believe this is how they are credited. It is literally just boy and girl um, in the credits. Uh, boy is voiced by Nezu Jinpachi. Um, he's mostly a film actor. Uh, things people might uh, know him or have seen him in are... Um, he is in Akira Kurosawa's Kagemusha and Ron. Um, he is in a Yasuo uh, Furuhata film called Station. And he is in a uh, Mitsuo Yanagimachi film called Farewell to the Land. Um but uh, he is also, uh, in terms of voice acting, notable for being in Pat Labor, the movie, too. Uh, he plays Suge Yukihito, who is, like, the uh, main uh, antagonist in that film. Um, and he's very good in it. Uh, and then the girl is voiced by uh, Mako Hyodo. Um, she's more known for being a voice actress, but doesn't have a lot of big credits, just a lot of small credits. So I just picked out a couple. She is um, Sharon Apple in Macross Plus. She is Helena Von Bobbem in uh, Rafzion or Rafzephon. It's one of those things where I just like, I read it and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a name. And then you have to say it. You're like, oh wait, how do you say that? Um, she is a uh, Mueller, Miguel, and Victory Gundam, um, and those are the only ones I wrote down because it's mostly just like very small characters and in, in things. Um, so not like a, a huge voice cast. Um, I wonder at the time how expensive this was to me because it doesn't seem like it would have been that expensive of a production. She's also apparently Brock's mom in the Pokemon. Anime. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Uh, this is the me finding out that there's um, that Brock has a mother. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, his whole thing in the show is like his parents fucked off, and he's like raising his seven siblings or something until he just gives that up <laughs> because of Ash. Um, all right. Um, well, I guess that was it for Angel's Egg. Uh, so now we we will talk about uh, what other anime and and stuff we've been digging into. I'm gonna elect to go first this week uh, or this episode um, since we do these every other week. Um, so a couple more new things aired this season. Uh, it's still kind of like beginning weeks of the, the current new anime season. Um, so I have a few things to report on. Uh, there is a TV version of the Berserk Golden Age arc airing. Um, if you're not familiar, they adapted the Golden Age arc of the Berserk manga into three films uh, like 10 years ago, maybe, um, which I really like. I'm a big fan of all the uh, the CG Berserk stuff as of uh, recent noted CG anime enjoyer. Um, 
And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll watch it again. It's, it's got like added scenes and additional new music. Um, and uh, I just, I, I like Berserk, even though I haven't read much of the manga is the funny thing. I'm like a anime fan first, which is a weird series to be that for because so much of it has gone unadapted by the anime up to now. Uh, but that's good. If you've, if you've never seen um, the, the movies, it's probably like a good, good thing to watch, I guess. Um, also Mob Psycho 3 started, um, which, uh, or I guess technically Mob Psycho 103 is the full title, which is a mouthful now. Um, that show still rules. The first episode was pretty good, but I was like, eh, the animation isn't hitting as hard as season two did. And then episode two is like, oh no, <laughs> they were just saving it. Um, episode two is fucking great. Um, Mob is... Side note, fuck Crunchyroll and their dub practices. Yeah, if you don't know, there's um, shitty stuff going on with Crunchyroll recasting um, the voice actor for Mob and also just historically underpaying all of their <laughs> dub actors. Um, and fuck Platinum Games. Yes, <laughs> for doing the same with uh, Bayonetta. Um, just, it just keeps catching. Um, but, uh, you know, so do your due diligence, uh, uh, pirate Mob Psycho, and watch watch the, the, the subtitle version. Also because the Japanese voice cast is fucking great for that show. I, no offense to the um, dub voice actors. I'm sure they're all good, but um, I don't know why you wouldn't watch the uh, Japanese audio for that. Uh, so that's good as expected um even better than expected is fucking chainsaw man um i had high expectations watching the first episode tonight and i'm very excited yeah i had high expectations because i like the manga a whole lot but they they kind of fucking nailed it um i the thing for me is like chainsaw man is such a uh visually well-conceived manga um i i've praised fujimoto's um like tact for for paneling and layouts before and i i just thought going into the anime that it'd be very easy to just replicate his style um in the way the the storyboarding and the anime works um and just kind of be done with it but the anime is like it's the same story but in terms of visuals they've like kind of gone out of their way to like make the anime feel very unique compared to the manga um in terms of its visuals at least just from the first episode um so i was i was blown away i really liked it um the voice cast seems to be pretty great makima's voice actor is perfect she sounds exactly like i would have expected her to sound and that's all you could kind of hope for if you're like a big fan of a, a manga getting a uh anime adaptation so would highly recommend the manga but also the, the anime seems like a pretty good start too if you want to just start there uh i have an, another new one um i've been affectionately calling it new rusei yatsura but um uh urusei yatsura which i brought up before because it has a um old 80s anime that was directed by um uh, oshi for half of its uh runtime uh but there's a new 2022 uh remake anime which is a lot of fun great animation great you know uh, rubiko takahashi style like gag comedy stuff um it's good uh I feel like I've seen some people, I think it was like the Anifem write-up for it was like, like, yeah, it's as good as the source material in the original, but like, it, aren't we kind of tired of this shit by 2021? Because, you know, the whole conceit of that is like the main character is kind of like a, you know, sleaze um, in, a, in a way, in the way that like a lot of Rubiko Takahashi stories have that kind of character in it. But like, the way I would just put it is like, you you know if you'll want to watch it or not. Like, you don't you, you won't need to be convinced to watch new uh or say Yatsura, um, but it's good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, new voice cast is pretty good. Um, then uh, the last holdover from the previous season I was watching ended, uh, which is Love Live Superstar. 
really good overall not as good as season one the kind of overall plot was a little bit weak for me but i love the girls so that didn't really matter too much for me um and thank god it's getting a third season because i get so tired of breaking the trend yeah i get so tired of love live shows just being like oh well the third years are graduating so we have to end the end the story now um luckily the whole conceit of superstar means that that literally can't happen until another season um uh yeah i don't know i think it'd be a lot more uh emotionally moving if we have the the younger idols like you know going on without some of their friends yeah yeah, I have uh, big complaints about how Sunshine and um, uh, Muse uh, both wrapped up. But um, uh, if you've seen those shows, you could understand what those complaints would be. Um, so I'll get into all that. Um, I think that's it for me for anime. I wanted to watch some other stuff, but didn't have time for it yet, including New Bleach. I have been too busy uh re- reading the stand and actually enjoying it which is the fucked up thing um <laughs> but uh sick fuck yeah i'm doing it for steve um in the, <laughs> the spooky month um but danny tell me about scorn what about uh hr giger dicks in space that's all i know about that game. yeah so yeah that's all th- there is to it um there there is no um plot really um you just kind of go around and do shit um and there's like if there's no interiority to your character like i don't need the character to be like saying oh i I gotta go this way it's like yeah you probably like yeah you're in like this fucked up dick place or whatever but like and you probably want to leave but like that's it um and like the puzzles are shit the you know the first puzzle you do is like a sliding block puzzle that's incredibly it's just so like not obtuse in that it's hard but it's like one of those things where you just don't know where the puzzles are and you kind of just have to like wander around in a room until you find them um it's which is like it's not a puzzle like that's just guessing what the the developers was thinking and it's like that's it's not a good puzzle it's you know it's boring um and without any sort of context other than like man this place kind of sucks i should get out of here like you're just left with nothing like it's just it's it's boring it's you get numb to it all and then they add shitty combat where you like eventually like in you know i think this is partially intentional like you just run past the people but like it's not in a way that it's like oh i gotta be like sneaky and like run when i can to like avoid these monsters it's just like they're just there and you just have to run past them and it's like I don't know. It feels it feels like you're doing something you're not supposed to, and not like a ooh, I I was really clever and I got around the monster without facing them. And then there's like a shitty boss fight. It's just so stupid. Um, it's like I don't care God, about. I, like, I kind of hate games that are have a similar issue where like at a certain point you're just like, all right, fuck it, I don't care about like participating in part of the game anymore. I just want to get to the end. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It's it. It took me like <clears throat> four... Elden Ring. <clears throat> <laughs> It took me like four or five minutes to, or minutes, uh, hours to beat, and by the end of it, I mean, it felt like for goddamn ever, Um, and I was just like, I was holding on, because I'm like, okay, the vibes are here, until again, you just kind of become numb to it, because, you know, your character gets impaled by something, and he doesn't, like, doesn't even do anything so much as, like, go, ow, ouchie, like, it's just completely played blankly, Um, and it's just, it's just nonsense and it's not good it's it's bad even um uh 
uh, fuck, what's is it? If someone on Twitter that's like a big person, Sorry, but, uh, I Chris Franklin, because I saw his yes. tweets as well, and then saw your reaction as like, oh, okay, uh, I guess yeah. that's that game where he 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 was talking about the puzzle design being very tedious and that being a bummer because like the aesthetic experience of the game was like top notch, but then having to actually play the thing was just a slog. Yeah, but even then, like, honestly, even if the puzzles weren't there, um, I think I, I would have just gotten bored of it. Like, it, it, you just become numb to, like, the, oh, there's another thing getting squished, and it's kind of fucked up. Ooh. Like, I don't know. Like, it, it's it's body horror, but, like, again, because no one's really reacting to it, it's it falls flat. You know, part of why, I don't know, the alien chestburster scene works is is, like people react to it and it's like oh what the fuck if if an alien had burst out of the chest and everyone was like yeah well hmm, okay <laughs> like you would have been like stupid like it wouldn't work um so it, it, it just and again like the 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 combat was so forced and bad and like uh not fun because again like Oftentimes, the the monsters were just in your way in a way that you literally couldn't get around them, so you're forced to engage with it uh, until eventually I'm just like, okay, fuck it, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna run back, you know, three rooms until there is like an open space, swap, like walk around it and keep going because I'm just like, I'm just so over it. Um, but yeah, no, the the line like I think Chris Franklin said was like, it's like twelve writers and artists like getting like or twelve artists getting like really fucked up visuals and stuff. And then one gameplay designer who thinks that putting a severed arm into a terminal is good game design. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's really what it feels like. You know, it would have been a better experience if you just were walking through this fucked up space. Uh, but again, even that wouldn't work because it's like, I don't know. It'd be like literally if like a camera was walking through those spaces with how much reaction the the, the main character uh, gives, um, which... You know, I don't want to get into spoilers or anything like that, but uh, they do something really stupid by the end of it. Uh, like the very end of it is is such a like a wet fart of a of an ending. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it. Like, do y'all care? Oh, I see. <laughs> skip I ahead. Uh, so at the like so at the end you and again none of the, like I have no idea why any of this is happening or why you know to do any of this. Um, but like the the main character like plugs like people juice into two like figure like two like they they peep two like people like whatever who are like lying down and like it makes a flower bloom from their head i'm like okay i don't know what that does but whatever i guess i'm doing it because that's what the game is telling me to do uh you know through its its uh motioning or whatever um, and then after you do that, you get plugged into what, for the life of me, looks like a suck-off machine. Hell like, yeah. Like, this thing just, it just comes <laughs> up and starts sucking you off. Um, I don't know if the implication is that it's, like, plugging into, like, an umbilical cord, but just the placement of it, it's like, no, it's just sucking you off. And, like, this statue thing turns around and starts, like, cutting into you, and then you start controlling the two things that you just put the people juice into, and you solve one more stupid fucking puzzle, um, which wasn't very clear at all. Uh, not like in a, oh, oh, I feel really clever for solving this, but like just like, oh, I found the pixel I needed to find. Um, you carry the, the, what was the player character the entire, most of the game. You start carrying them. Uh, and the, there's this whole, like, 
subplot of like you get like a like a big like parasitic thing latches onto you and is like slowly like growing into you kind of thing and like in the penultimate part you you remove it um and it like comes back and like push literally just kind of like lightly pushes the guy carrying the the main character out of the way and then latches onto you and then because you're you're like walking towards like this bright light like what seemingly is like escape from whatever hell you're in uh and then at the last second this parasitic thing comes back and is like no 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 and turns you into like this like blob creature thing that that can't move it's literally like the ending of like i have no mouth and i must scream sort of thing um and it's it's like again like yeah i can i can infer that the the player character probably isn't liking this arrangement but like i i don't i don't care i don't care like about this thing about the two statue or like figures that i resurrected with people juice like i don't know what they are i don't know what any of this is and it's like not like there's nothing there's no context there to be like oh this is like representing what it's just like oh yeah there's you know no one has skin you're in hell because but like why do you know how to do that well because i guess you you just know and like that's because that's what the game needs you to do it's just so stupid it's such a bad game like i've soured on it more the more i thought about it but like it's just it, it tries to operate solely on vibes but like then it also tries to like tell a story and it's like no you can't really do that and then it's five hours long and you're like well like you just get bored <laughs> and like okay like oh i put my arm into another thing that fucked up my arm Ooh, like i don't give a shit move on get, let me finish this game immediately uninstalled it um so yeah that's scorn it sucks don't play it um i think roger ebert was in terms of video games <laughs> <laughs> they can aspire to be art but they'll never be art they'll never be art um uh, just like anime, it'll it'll never really start. Um, <laughs> anime sucks. Anyway, uh, other things that I have been watching that are actually good. Um, started watching uh, Ronin Warriors, aka Legendary Super Samurai Troop. I think. Um, I right. only got I only got one episode in. Fucking slaps. Um, literally just a tokusatsu show, uh, in animated form. Uh, down to like to the T. Like. The, the 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 main character shows up and he has this big white tiger there's like a professor and like his daughter who are like oh we gotta go help the samurai troopers or whatever it's this whole thing um it, it's it's so good the 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 plague lords or whatever is such a fun like if, if rita repulsa shows up I'll, I'll i'll have a hoot but um and then continuing to watch uh, shirakuma cafe great little vibe um just love like when i think of like a healing anime i think of of polar bear cafe that's my healing kind of anime where it's just like low stakes just funny just kind of vibing um it, it's so good it's it's the platonic ideal of anime there you go yeah it, it's it's just kind of like no no thoughts head empty um uh interesting subtitle choice and i'm kind of curious what y'all's thoughts on it are um there's a, a point where one of the characters asks for like a second cup of coffee um which whatever the, whatever that is in japanese i don't remember um and the the polar bear then starts doing like puns based off of that and the the other character is like no that's blah no that's blah mm. and in the subtitles um 
it's like it'll say like no that's sam like that's a samurai and in parentheses it'll it wrote in like romaji like what the pun essentially is so like when it right. says like i'll have a second it says like what that what that word is pronounced like and then in the subsequent subtitles it's like doing it so you can tell like oh that's why they're doing this and like in context you get why it's like oh yeah he's doing like puns on it but i kind of appreciated having like the actual word written out where it's like oh that's the like that's the actual pun as to why he's doing it maybe it's just because like i i'm not like fluent or good at japanese so like it's a a way to like make me keep up with it uh or like learn a little bit more uh but yeah no it's a interest i've never like it it's it almost feels like the translator's notes of like all according to uh kaikaku but it's but it's like actually good i don't know i appreciated it though my preference for those kinds of things is to try to find a way to still translate it where you maintain a pun even if the pun has to be different than whatever pun was in japanese um Mm. but i would i would rather them do what you said they did which is just like put whatever the japanese words literally are in parentheses in the subtitles than to just not do that at all and just have the dialogue be completely straight and you completely miss the fact that like a character is saying puns because i've seen plenty of things that do that and it's just like oh you didn't even try um couple of notes on Ronin Warriors since I've got it up. It is a Legendary Armor Samurai Troopers um, is uh, okay. the uh, original title. And then uh, uh, just a, you know, cultural update on Ronin Warriors. Uh, the latest part of the Wikipedia page for it says that in July 2020, there was a Ronin Warriors crossover with um, big Korean MOBA Ragnarok Mobile. Um, oh, my God. Finally. <laughs> yeah. So, you know get in on that i guess now that's even if video games do get to be art mobas will never be <laughs> it's a, or it's a moba truly the lowest form of video maybe games maybe it's an mmo i don't know but uh that's not my space um all right uh danielle what have you been watching um i'm still really late to uh this season i'm going to be watching a lot with um my girlfriends um <laughs> This week, actually, so I'll update my first impressions next episode. Uh, really, the only thing I uh, watched or read was the uh, first two Executioner's Way of Life uh, light novels. Though, I don't have much to say about those because they just covered the same ground as the anime. But um, it's nice to see like the um, increased amount of world building in those. So I'm excited to see where the next novels go. Curious what you think about those because I'm pretty sure I... Um jackson over on a um, great gundam project slash abnormal mapping read that somewhat recently and started hot on it and then wasn't very pleased with where it went in the later novels so curious what you think huh. um, i don't have a lot of context for that series in general that anime came out and i was like oh people seem to be into this and but it's like not my thing at all that's just not my kind of genre yeah um the isekai stuff is something i will begrudgingly except it's not something i will um be like oh yeah isekai stuff it's more of the a lot of this gets made and some of it has like character setups that i'm into so i just end up like i did like the setup of executioner's way of life so um hoping against all hopes that like it gets a the later novels get art stay good but i also heard from other people that they kind of go a bit downhill feel like that's not uncommon for that 
that type of thing. Yeah, I'm, but I'm invested enough to uh, see where it goes from here. How many novels are there in that series? I have no idea. Um, they're sworn English oh, okay. currently. I think they started in 2018 because they won like some prize that's like well known. I'm not going to say prestigious because is it wrong to pick up girls in the dun in a dungeon? Won the first one, so I'm not going to call it prestigious, but uh, well known. So what you're saying is it's a worthless award. <laughs> <laughs> As we all know, yes, it is wrong to pick up girls in the dungeon. I don't need to watch that anime to find out the answer for myself. I don't. I don't understand why that that has like such a large following. I just don't get it. I don't get the isekai thing in general. I need it to either be like a Kuma Kuma Bear and just be about like cute girls vibing, vibing and also getting into increasingly um, large business ventures. Is what that series ends up being about, uh, or a. A lot of them are are like that. I'm reading uh, a few web novels that are like that because those are easy to just read like a thousand yeah. words a day. But I guess that's the thing for me too is like it needs to be an anime for me. I need it to be like animated and voice acted. I don't give a fuck about reading a manga like that. That's like that's boring. You see, I could I could read shit while I'm working. It's much harder for me to watch non English media. Oh, that's I'm fair. Working. I would just personally. I would read something else, um, but no, I get you. Um, also, before I close this tab, for for you, Danny, and also for any listeners that were like, damn, what was the name of that farming sim RPG that Austin and Danny briefly brought up? Uh, Various Daylife is the name of it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> very funny name for a game like that. Also, it's apparently out already, <laughs> which I didn't know. Uh, all right. Uh, well, here's the part of the episode that I've been most excited for. Danny, what are we watching next time? Okay, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead some breadcrumbs and, and shout it out if Ooh. you uh, want, shout it out once you figure it out. Um, which I'm gonna start with. I'm doing it by who's involved with it. Um, and I, I said that this was on that I thought this was on Toonami. Uh, I from what I could tell, it's not. It was not. Um, Okay. So that that's my mistake. Uh, uh, I I think I just saw saw it on Netflix. Maybe um, apparently it was shown on Sci-Fi at some point, but I don't know. I don't, after it was aired, okay. With music by Taku Iwasaki, who um, among many other things, he he's composed um, uh, stuff for um, uh, Ruin and Kenshin, uh, Gurren Lagann. Uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure uh, Battle Tendency. Hmm. He's he's doing uh, the Shin Kamen Rider yeah. movie uh, soundtrack, which weird that uh, it's not going to be uh, uh, Shiro uh, Sagisu, but whatever. Um, maybe uh, he and Hideki. I feel like um, uh, Tak. What's his name is like a better fit though for a fucking Kamen Rider movie. That makes mm. all the sense in the world to me. Um. Mm-hmm. Written by. Uh, or uh-huh. screenplay by, or maybe yeah, I guess actually just written by uh, Hideyuki Kurata, who most of his uh, um, uh, works look like uh, adaptations of of things. So he wrote the uh, uh, screenplay for The World Only God Knows, or The World God Only Knows, Fruit of the Grisea. Made in Abyss, Goblin Slayer, Rowan and Kenshin, uh, the 2023 one, um, uh, Magical Project S, uh, Dragon Crisis, uh, Samurai <laughs> Dragon Flamenco. Dragon Crisis. 
I don't know. I'm just reading from the Wikipedia. Um, I'm just, my brain is like, immediately my question is, is the crisis because there are dragons or are we in a crisis because of lack of dragons? Like, you know, like a water crisis. Is it, is it a, is it that kind of dragon crisis or is it, ah, crisis, dragons. The, the, the sub, the picture on Wikipedia is not giving me any information because it's just a, a small anime girl. Uh, oh, but... this looks like shit. This is not what I was imagining in my head, but this is also probably more realistic <laughs> for an anime called. <laughs> God damn it. I'm mad um, now. <laughs> and directed by uh, Akitaro Daichi, uh, who apparently, according to Wikipedia, was uh, alleged uh, has sexual harassment allegations uh, against him. Great. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, you already brought up Ronnie Kenshin. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he, uh, who has directed Fruit, Fruits Basket. Uh-huh. Dang, you're telling me you're not picking Fruits Basket? Yeah. Kamisama Kiss, Detective Conan, The Culprit, Han, uh, Hanzawa, uh, Nobunga no Shinobi, uh, I don't know, I don't know any of these fucking things. And, and the final clue, the year is 1999. I, th- I think I know what it is. I had to look up the name, though, and then it more than confirmed, because I then saw on Wikipedia all the people you just named are, <laughs> are on it, but yes. I genuinely couldn't remember the name, but it's it's now and then, here and there. Yes, so that's what we'll be watching. Uh, it's a 13-episode show. It's an izakai, uh, but instead of being teleported to a magical world, and then he has a little harem and all this other shit, uh, he gets teleported to a fucking awful world um, that uh, has no water, and uh there's a lot of child soldiers and it's 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 it, it deals a lot with like the, the wow f- i love gundam <laughs> what what i sorry i'm never mind <laughs> no now you gotta explain you can't just you can't just leave us like that <laughs> you're like oh no i see i see oh, lots of child soldiers and i was like oh i love gundam <laughs> oh well it's like gundam but like darker uh and the, it, it and goes a lot no, further and there's no robots and also apparently no water <laughs> apparently no water um uh the the closest we get to it is is uh uh people flying around in like they i guess they do fly in like mechas but like they're not like space mechas so Hmm. completely different um but but yeah so this is something that i saw forever ago i think it was on netflix it might have just been like something i just found and like watched on like totally legit anime.xxy or some shit fucking website i don't know um but yeah no it's a it's an incredibly dark series um you know i don't remember like it going for like the gross out at any point um but you know preemptive content warning for the entire series uh when we discuss it there's there's going to be a lot of like a lot of some a fair amount whatever uh but like Things like, you know, rape well, as a weapon of war, exploitation well here, let of me, children. Uh, let me just read through the highlighted words in the Wikipedia plot description. Um, Please. I, I either hyperlink to other pages. Um, uh, protagonist, Kendo, Mechas, Red Giant, uh, Child Soldiers, Looting, War, Famine, Slavery, Rape, Exploitation of Children. <laughs> So th- there are your content warnings, I guess. Oh, it's gonna be a fun time. Can't wait to, to follow up uh, Angel's Egg with something else, kind of dour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So I don't know, um, I don't remember it being something where it's like gratuitous and like over the top and it's like, oh, we're gonna like make, I think it really is like a rumination on that, like the kind of, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but we'll see. I, I, like I said, I don't even remember when I saw this. It, it's been that long. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think looking at the Wikipedia episode descriptions. Oh yeah, where we kind of see yeah the division. I think we'll do seven, then six. Okay. So now and then, here and there. Uh, I'm gonna fuck up that so many times. Yeah. (laughs) Be like, here and there, now and then. Oh, no, that's not it. Uh, That's cool. I'm excited. This was on my list to potentially pick at some point as well, because um, it's been on my list to just watch in general uh, as kind of like an earlier Isekai show before Isekai became what it is now. Um, So that'll be be cool. Um, And interestingly enough i was i was trying to make my next pick specifically something that was pre-2000 but here you've done it for me so maybe i can allow myself to pick something newer but i'll I'll probably do what i said earlier and pick some more oshi movies next time uh i uh i've got like an interesting pick for my next one lined up already it was aiming for something in like the mid 2000s and i have interesting um all right i think that's it uh this was a fun one this was a little bit more rambly than normal i like that um so yeah uh no questions this time uh but you can send them to us on twitter uh at under the katatsu give us a follow please uh or you can email us we are at under the gmail.com um let's see uh you can find me on twitter at chai underscore squared where can people find you danny um so you can find me at uh cover me and sauce on twitter also quick note um the so this this episode is going to go up on the 26th um the yes next episode after that will likely be delayed uh by likely i mean definitely uh i'm going to be in japan oh uh right. so uh, so we can record in you know, a normal time, uh, but the um, I won't be back until the twelfth. So likely going to release it on the sixteenth if I'm not like dead from travel, uh, you know, from being tired and all that. Uh, so likely that the next episode after this one is going to be released on November sixteenth. But we will keep the uh, Twitter up to date. Uh, but you can find me at Cover Me and Sauce on Twitter. All right, and where can people find you, Daniel? I am at LizBunny with one N on Twitter. All right. Posting out of context, uh, Dojin or manga screencast as usual. <laughs> Business as usual over. Uh... I was reading Rosengarten's saga, and it's it's a lot, you know? I'll take your word for it. Um, all right. Uh, well, that was us. Join us for now and then, here and there. Good thing I still had the Wikipedia tab open uh, <laughs> next time. Uh, Danielle, why don't you take us out of here? Be crimes, do gay, and seriously, just go fucking watch Angels Like already. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> go watch it now. <laughs> you should have. You should have stopped listening to this an hour ago. <laughs>
that's you breaking the egg, not watching the, <laughs> the movie before this. God damn it.